Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Monday, December 18th, seven minutes after nine. This is the Kendall and Casey show on 93 WIBC. My name is Casey Daniels. Rob Kendall has the day off. And in his place, Ethan Hatcher joining us in the studio. Good morning, Ethan. Good morning, Casey. Hope Happy you had a good here. weekend. You're ready to go, huh? It was delightful. And we've got a lot of great news items to get to. We do. But the first one that we have to mention is about this very radio station. Barrett News Media has selected WIBC as the sixth best news talk station in the country for our city size holy crap that's... nope no pressure huh <laughs> let's give ourselves a round of applause that's pretty cool man well uh let's give it to our listeners for uh propping us up because we do what we do for them it's so true. we thank them for listening we really do have the best audience ever we really really do okay let's talk about what happened with joe biden over the weekend shall we yeah this was weird a car unintentionally struck an suv uh in the president's motorcade this happened on Sunday night caused damage to both vehicles and appeared to startle the president just a little bit. He was leaving campaign headquarters in Wilmington, Delaware, and uh, the impacted SUV wasn't the president's. However, Secret Service personnel escorted the president to his vehicle where the first lady was already inside. Uh, The Bidens were visiting the campaign headquarters for a staffer holiday happy hour. And ironically, it's being reported that the person who hit the motorcade may have had a few libations himself. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. Now, I don't remember things like this happening to other presidential motorcades with seeming frequency like in in past presidencies Mm -hmm. because wasn't it just a a couple months ago now where his granddaughter's unmarked Secret Service vehicle was being carjacked in Georgetown. Right. And now you have drunk drivers plowing into unoccupied vehicles. What is going on? And, And this is in two different places. This was in Wilmington, Delaware, and that's Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. but the country's falling apart. It's do like, you think that it's happening more often, or do you think that we're just hearing about it more? Well, that's the, that's the eternal question, because that's that's something I've pondered myself. Is it a byproduct of the 24-hour news cycle mm-hmm. and the fact that so many of us carry around these handy-dandy, not, not even phones anymore, we use them as mobile computers and recording devices, yep. so you, know, you can just flip up the phone at any time and start taking a picture, and it goes viral, so maybe, yeah, we just have an increased awareness. Either way, super weird. It was the first time the president visited staffers who were working in that uh, Delaware office since the summer. But here's the shocking thing. Not that the president's motorcade was hit, but that the president was at an event, a a campaign (laughs) event in in Delaware. He got out of his basement, right? It was past his bedtime. <laughs> he needs his rest. Another thing that happened that was reported over the weekend is that this, oh boy, a Senate staffer was fired after an X-rated video appeared to show him having sex in a congressional hearing room. So what's extra irritating about this story is that the subject let's see I think it was Aiden Zorowski mm-hmm. um, he is now playing the victim you know saying I'm being targeted for the uh, person that I love no it has nothing to do with a person that you love whatever is going on like there if it was between a gay couple or a straight couple or by yourself mm-hmm. that's not the kind of activity you should be engaging in a senate hearing room <laughs> called a time and a place mm-hmm. my goodness he said this 
this has been a difficult time for me as I've been. Uh, attra- well, I, he's being attacked for the person that he loves. No, don't you're not. yourself doing the hippity dippity then, and you won't be attacked. <laughs> How not, simple is that? He's not being attacked for the person that he loves. He's being attacked for where he was loving that person. And MSNBC is has the audacity to blame conservatives mm-hmm. for making people aware. No, the shameful part of this story, MSNBC, is that it happened when we have to report about it. Now, I'm glad that this staffer was fired because obviously that was the prudent course of action. But I also understand that he has a history of making some vulgar posts in mm-hmm. social media. So maybe there was a little bit of forewarning here and they could have exercised more prudence in the staffing selection yeah. to begin with. Nobody cares uh, who he was having sex with. It's the fact of where he, I mean, these. this is the- And uh, you're recording it. This is the How office gauche. that they ask Supreme Court nominee questions. I, he could have been by himself and it still would have been inappropriate. Well, right. And so, yeah, remember how they dragged the uh, uh, Supreme Court nominee, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. You know, well, I, I like beer, he says tearfully. I, I still drink beer. And then you have this staffer mm-hmm. who's doing the hibbity-dibbity in a Senate hearing room and recording it. Like, these are two <laughs> totally different things. So at the uh, Turning Point USA rally, uh, Don Jr. says that decency is back on the ballot. When Senate staffers are filming gay pornos in a Senate hearing room. I don't know if they're just trying to bring back the mask mandates and like, you know, the you know, but but what's going on? You know, decency, right? The adults are back in charge. But they can do this because they realize there's no one actually there as a countermeasure to this insanity, right? That wasn't just a young guy being a young guy. That's a power play, right? We're going to turn off all the videos in here and we're going to do this. We're going to share it. Because we're beyond reproach. If you think the radicals are the leaders in Congress, the Nancy Pelosi's, no, no, no. It's these 20-something-year-olds that have never been told no that are told there's 9,476 genders and that's the gospel, that believe in convenient science that's made up on the spot to fulfill whatever political narrative they have. Decency is actually on the ballot in 2024 again. Last time, we got degeneracy. Decency is on the ballot. We got Hunter Biden this week talking about decency, the, the Republicans. Because they had the gall, the gall, to ask him to come in and do a deposition, discussing one of thousands of instances of him selling out our country, enriching his family. Okay, so decency back on the ballot. You think that's uh, hypocritical coming from Don Jr.? slightly ironic that we're hearing these words coming from Don Jr. Like, that was one of my criticisms Mm -hmm. about Donald Trump during the 2016 campaign, is he didn't live up to what had been Republican family values for such a long time in his personal life. We're we're talking about sleeping with strippers and porn actresses and paying them off and talking about, oh, you could just grab him by the P word, you know, uh, and bleeding from the wherever, and just on and on and on. Mm -hmm. So he has a long history of some uncouth personal behavior talking about running on decency again like 
and, you know, and also the fact that, uh, the, you know, they said that there was what was no no accountability. Um, but there was accountability. He got fired. He should have been fired. Mm-hmm. So you're, I, I'm you're not talking sure. about the Senate staffer, correct? The yeah. Senate staffer for you know doing the hibbity dibbity on the Senate floor. And it's not that he you know was, was filming a gay porno. It's that a porno at all was filmed on the Senate floor. I don't care what kind of porno it was. Mm-hmm. It's all equally uh, reprehensible. Well, I think decency is back on the ballot <laughs> when you take that into consideration. A sex tape being filmed at the Senate building. But you've that's got not Joe Biden, Joe, is it? Well, you've got Joe Biden's questionable and maybe somewhat. Uh, trashy White House Christmas video. You yeah. had the, the transgender protesting on the White House front lawn going topless. Oh, yeah, that and was then, ridiculous. Yeah, and then you've got everything else that Hunter's been doing in all of his videos and pictures. Cocaine and in the White House. Cocaine in the White House, and that's a guy who flies around with the president and stands on the balcony next to him and, uh, you know, wipes his nose after cocaine is found at the White House. All of these questionable things do add up. So, yeah, I would say decency is back on the ballot. But Biden's approval rating, just 33 percent, plunged to the lowest since he has taken office. New poll numbers on his job performance on key issues have plunged to the lowest since he has taken office. Listen to this. Pew Research Center found President Biden's approval rating at just 33 percent. That's close to the 20s. 64 percent of respondents said they disapprove of the president's job performance. That same poll found that only 36% believe Biden can make good decisions on economic policy. That's a 20-point drop since 2021. I wonder why. And just 32% are confident that Biden will make good decisions on immigration. Another 20-point drop from 2021. And just 24% said that they were confident that Biden can unite our country a nearly 25-point drop. Maybe that blood-red MAGA speech had something to do with that one. Okay, so less than a quarter of Americans say they're confident Biden can unite our country. I think that number's a little high, to be honest. I'm surprised that many people think he has the capacity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we've got a lot more polling to get to, and it's not looking good for Joe Biden in any of them. No, I mean, everything... We, we've often reflected on this on the show, and I know Rob has mentioned it a number of times, the idea that if Biden simply would have done nothing during his presidency, he would have fared better than what has happened, because actively interfering and enacting his policy is what makes him unpopular, because it's disastrous every time. So he ran in the basement, and maybe he should have just stayed there. It would have been better for everybody. I wish he did. It is 17 minutes after nine. You're listening to The Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Twenty-one minutes after nine, you're listening to the Kendall and Casey Show on ninety-three WIBC. Rob has the day off. Ethan Hatcher is in the studio, and it was revealed over the weekend that an autopsy report showed that friend star Matthew Perry died from acute effects of ketamine. This was so sad. You know, he he, and it shows you how money doesn't solve everything. He had fame 
influence, money, but mm-hmm. he was using the ketamine, uh, you know, uh, according to these reports, to treat uh, his anxiety and his depression. So there were other problems going on there, and it would have been wonderful if he could have reached out and maybe medicated himself a different way, because mm-hmm. clearly there was a problem going on there and he needed help. Yeah. So um, ketamine, it's used to treat anxiety, depression, PTSD, lots more. It can also be a pain reliever. People typically receive the drug in IV form. Yeah. Um, it, well, because it can also be used as a sedative, and evidently the amount that was in his system was mm-hmm. enough for a surgical patient. Yes. So he was very much over-medicating there. Clearly taking matter in his own hands. A lot of people were saying that he wasn't using, and this, you know, turns all of those reports upside down. The word anxiety, this entire segment is going to be about the word anxiety. Overused word. I feel like everybody, oh, I have anxiety. I have anxiety. Yeah, very overused because I I think it diminishes people who truly have diagnosable anxiety. If you've seen somebody like who has anxiety and have a panic attack, Mm -hmm. you know, their body freezes. It's taken over, you know, by fear and terror. Like, so that is is serious and obviously something that, that, you know, merits concern. But then other people interchangeably use the term anxiety for what I feel is like daily stress or another story we got going on here. Uh. Gen Z facing menu anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about that? Let's, okay, let's de- How do. How absurd. What a <laughs> fragile generation. What they say, what was it? 86% of these kids feel uncomfortable eating out in public and 26% or, percent or more wouldn't go if they couldn't see the menu first. Yes. Because you might, well, what if we order something we don't like? That's part of the experience. You get to go again, try something different next time. Yep. Okay, so this is the report. Gen Z suffers from menu Menu anxiety when dining out. Too many people are too scared to even order their own meals. This is the reason you have like chicken fingers available at the fancy Italian <laughs> restaurant is for these fragile Gen Zers who want to claim, uh, you know, victimhood and get, you know, it's fashionable to have a, 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 a victimhood status. And that's why they use easy terms like mm-hmm. anxiety mm-hmm. and then diminish the people who really have a problem that need, you know, uh, uh, that they need help dealing with. So they're saying, you know, most people, when you go out to eat, you look forward to going out to eat, right? Yes. But these uh, Gen Zs that they're saying it's so stressful that they might have to interact with the wait staff or they might have to order on their own and they're afraid that it's it's something that they don't like or they're going to regret their order afterwards. Almost 40% of Gen Z customers saying they simply just won't go out to dinner at all Fine. because of menu anxiety. Yeah. Fine, fine, don't then. That's why they make Chef Boy RD. <laughs> Eat it from a can, I don't care. But they'll complain about that too. Okay, so um, 41% of Gen Z, they, they do include millennials in this study, but they Not said me. that's uh, it's only 15% uh, of Gen Xers. So the older crowd doing okay yeah. with working with the waitress. Isn't that weird? You're allowed to ask questions about the menu. Well, is, isn't that strange that it's the older generations who are more well mentally and emotionally well adjusted and yet we have more quote unquote awareness of mental health than ever before and it seems to be diminishing what is what's going on here because i had an uncle who wasn't afraid to tell me if i was being ridiculous yeah Wait, well, well, you're Seriously, right. you know, if, if I was acting up or being stupid or silly, he would put me in my place. But now I, people are afraid. You don't want to offend anybody. Well, shame is a dirty word <laughs> in modern society. Okay. So, uh, you know, menu anxiety, 
whatever oh, you want to so call it. Silly. If you don't want to go out to eat, then then don't the, go out to eat. Chef You're Boyardee. missing missing out on missing out on opportunities. They're saying a lot of it has to do with the fact that this uh, generation they're they're digital natives. They're not used to having all of the answers right there on their phone, right in front of them. And when you go you have out it on eat- a piece of paper. <laughs> That's why it's a menu. Mm-hmm. The information's right there. Okay. Yeah, you don't want to go out to eat, then don't go out to eat. Right. Uh, one other why, thing. The, 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 lean cuisine is too good for them. That's why they have kids' cuisine, the, you know, the microwave meals. I don't know if this is anxiety or if he knows something. Mark Zuckerberg building a $100 million Hawaiian compound. It's going to have a massive underground bunker as well. 30 bathrooms, 30 bedrooms, guest houses, and apparently cameras everywhere. Seems like an incredibly bad move to me. If I were to be stranded anywhere, I don't think I would wish to be on an island in the middle of the ocean. Like, it's attractive now because we've beaten nature back and we've developed it, but when you lack power, when you lack water, when you lack resources that are being delivered to the islands on a regular basis, what happens when you run out of the MREs there in the bunker? They can't stay good forever. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be, you know, it's not a plethora of hunting opportunity on a small island. Island, I would build your bunker. You know where a good place to build a bunker would be? Somewhere like Montana or, or you know, or maybe Alaska, where, where, where there's game and wilderness and natural resources at your disposal. You can't drink the salt water. So this is just poor planning on the part of Mark Zuckerberg. Build your bunker in a better place. Billionaires, billion, billions of dollars are wasted on the billionaires. So he's already spent $170 million on the land to build this this compound. It's not, got it. it's not even a bunker. It's a compound. Uh, and I'll bet after the forest fires, he got it at rock bottom rates, too. Mm, probably. Pushing out the natives so that way he can build his frivolous bunker. He's got a uh, six-foot wall around the compound. And Naturally. there's hidden entrances and exits. Like, you don't know it's a door unless you know it's a door. Border walls work when you're rich and famous. Oh, <laughs> and you want, you want it around your own place, right? <laughs> and apparently there's a water tank there that's going to be uh, 55 feet in diameter, 8 feet tall as well. So all sorts of stuff that uh, Zuckerberg's building there on his compound in Hawaii. It is 28 minutes after 9. This is the Kendall and Casey Show. It's 93 WIBC. It is 9.33. You're listening to the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. My name is Casey Daniels. Rob Kendall has the day off. And Ethan Hatcher joining us in the studio. The answer is a hard no. No. Okay. The White House is saying no. They will not pardon Hunter Biden. But my question to you is, do you believe it? Like when the rubber meets the road, Mm -hmm. if he actually is indicted, Mm -hmm. will, you know, will they renege on their promise probably okay yeah I, so I this mean, is just posturing that i believe so they're uh, saying yeah. no for now but i think at the end of the day if it, if it came down to it yes because i feel this is the right message ethically this is the correct stance and if biden follows through mm-hmm. i think we can this is a rare moment where we could potentially give him kudos if he doesn't bail out you know son from the consequences of his own behavior okay so hunter biden faces a maximum of 17 years in prison and 
you don't think the light of his love daddy is going to let him do that, do you? No, I, do, I don't think so. But theoretically, you know, theoretical kudos if he does, you know, l- l- let that happen. So Bill Clinton pardoned his brother Roger over cocaine possession in the 80s. Did he? He did. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it wouldn't be the first time that somebody in the White House has pardoned a family member. No, and I mean, that was a big concern that the left floated uh, in the Donald Trump presidency is how many members of his own family, you know, war associates would he potentially pardon on the way out? Mm-hmm. You know, it's always a concern with unscrupulous leaders. Well, you you know that this is, there definitely would wait until after the election. Right. I mean, at this point, the talking point is no, he won't, he won't pardon him. Until after, you know. But in a lame duck Biden presidency, you can see him pardoning well, his son. And totally, I agree right, with you. Because he has no, he has no election that he's ever going to run for again. So somewhere between November and January, you might see a pardon. And it seems like, you know, for better or for worse, uh, Joe Biden truly is motivated by an unending love for his son, which you do want, you know, from a parent. But at a certain point, especially when you're dealing with a f- almost 60 year old man child, at a certain point, you got to got to cut the cord and stop being a <laughs> helicopter parent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think the wild card in all of this is Jill Biden, because. Clearly, she loves her son, but she has the ear of the president, so she might be whispering, Joe, go ahead and do it. Just pardon Hunter. We can the walk- devil on his shoulder. We I love can the all voice. walk away. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this was during Meet the Press. Uh, Democrat rep Debbie Dingle. Where's she from? Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's claiming that uh, Hunter Biden had a right, a right to defy his congressional subpoena. Hunter Biden did defy a subpoena request. He said he would testify openly, but not privately. But do you think he should have defied that subpoena request? Should he have gone and testified? I think he's got a right to say, I'll do this. Be transparent. Make it open. Because I think too many people are coming out of this and implying things that aren't true. And I think all of us have a right to know what the truth is. He was... Okay, so the closed-door deposition, that's what they do before... The congressional hearing. I think rule of order would disagree with mm-hmm. Debbie Dingell's assertion. And yep. certainly now that the vote has taken place on an official House inquiry, that was there. That was the legal uh, theory fostered by Democrats that because it wasn't officially voted on, then he didn't have to abide by the subpoena. Well, now Republicans have conveniently removed that excuse. So game on. OK, so there's a new poll from Fox and it's saying 65 percent of Americans say Joe Biden did act illegally or at least unethically when it comes to to his involvement in Hunter's corrupt business schemes. I did not have financial relations with that man, Hunter Biden. We have some polling out this morning on this issue. When it comes to whether the president was involved in Hunter's business or did something uh, related to it, 38% told us they think he did something illegal. This is the president. 27% say something unethical. So that's 65% of Americans who think something shady went on there with regard to the president and Hunter's business. And now we have a flip on impeachment. There are now more Americans who tell us they believe it's a legitimate inquiry than a bogus inquiry. That has flipped since we last polled this in September. Okay, so the uh, you have you've heard of uh, Jonathan Turley? He's a yeah. he's a constitutional law professor. Yeah, very respected. Not a hack. Mm-hmm. And he says that Joe Biden's connection to his son Hunter's corruption is impeachable, given the enormous amount of evidence based 
everything they're finding and still finding. What we know of publicly, which is relatively limited still, but appears very concrete that there's an association between uh, son and father. The fact that they have walked back their own narrative steadily would seem to support that theory. And the fact that you have constitutional scholars like Jonathan Turley, Mm -hmm. who also believe there's credence to this assertion, it it looks very damning for the Biden crime family. It does. Okay, so uh, Representative Jason Smith, he was on uh, Maria Bartoloma, and he says that anybody else would be in big trouble. The whole situation is creating a constitutional crisis. That's amazing that uh, Hunter Biden could go defy a congressional subpoena, set up shop right in front of the steps of the Capitol, do a press conference with the guy who's helped pay all this stuff out, uh, and then walk away. (laughs) That's it. We're not getting your deposition. Maria, if you or I or any other American would do that, we would be prosecuted. It's clearly a two-tier justice system. Is exactly what the IRS whistleblower whistleblowers have highlighted, why they came forward. The fact that Hunter Biden was supposed to be in the halls of that building going through a, a congressional subpoena through depositions, and he defied that by standing on the footsteps of the Capitol and doing a press conference, uh, the fact that he is the president's son and he's doing that is creating a very severe constitutional crisis. Okay, so you've got uh, all of the the documentation, the emails, the texts, the WhatsApp, the whistleblower testimony, all of it. Now, uh, Representative Smith, he's part of the House Ways and Means. He's the chairman, actually, of the committee. And he just does not believe Joe Biden was not financially involved. This is this is just a pattern that we've been seeing throughout this entire investigation. You have Joe Biden saying that he knew nothing about his son's business dealings. We released the IRS whistleblower testimony, and then the next day they started to say that he was not involved in his son's uh, business dealings. However, just this week, Hunter Biden's in his press conference says he was not that Joe Biden was not financially involved. Well, let me tell you, the emails and documentation we've been getting from the IRS whistleblower blowers prove otherwise mm-hmm. not financially involved turning the talking point well and the question that we need to answer then what was the motivation for joe biden acting as vice president to put pressure on the ukrainian government to fire the prosecutor that was investigating his son if it was not related mm-hmm. to that investigation why are we tying financial obligations of our country you know and, and holding that up with the expectation that will you know, that ukraine will fire this prosecutor if there wasn't a motivation they're like what was the motivation for that if it wasn't for son hunter there's a connection what is the connection get down to it oh it's the money follow the money okay it is uh 41 minutes after nine it's the kendall and casey show on 93 wibc donald trump was at another ufc fight over the weekend and you know rosie o'donnell lost her mind she was not happy (laughs) she was an angry elf she was an angry (laughs) elf and here she is and and she seems like she's a big fan of Colby Covington and, and very disappointed in him. Ugh, Trump just arrived at the UFC 296 because he loves Colby Covington. And Leon Edwards, I hope, is going to smash his face in because I can't stand Colby Covington and I can't stand Donald Trump. And the one thing I hate about the UFC is that he ruins it every time he shows up. I mean, come on, Dana White. You got to do better. Really? 
really. <laughs> Are you believing that Rosie O'Donnell watches any of the UFC fights? Dana, why you gotta do? But I don't think that was exactly my point. I don't think that Rosie O'Donnell is the target audience. Mm-hmm. So Dana White isn't going to construct programming around her whims, and that would be a total disaster if he did. Have we? Have you seen Bud Light? Have you seen the loss of the market share? Okay, yeah, no. So, so we're not really thinking that she's upset about the fight. You're just, we're just saying she just is anything against Donald anything. Trump. Well, yeah, I mean, because mm-hmm. how many names did he call her? There is a well-established uh, animosity between those two individuals. Okay, like, well. Regardless of politics, of which there's a conflict there as well. It's just icing on the animosity cake. So Colby <laughs> Covington, he, he, he don't care. He finished the fight uh, strong, and at the end, he had a message, uh, a patriotic message, maybe for Rosie O'Donnell. I want to shout out all our first responders, our military, those are the real heroes, the celebrities of our country. also want to shout out Donald Trump. You can delay us, but you can't deny us. He's going to make America great again. We need these borders secure. We need inflation down. And we need America first again. Donald Trump's the only one that's going to do that again. Point Trump 2024. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Was that the moment Rosie O'Donnell switched off the television? She's right. like, that's it. I've had enough. And I'm not wa- watching this anymore. She waddles away. Mm-hmm. She, you know, like walk sideways through the door so that way she can fit. You know. So there's a new study out that says gossiping at work can actually benefit employees and it also reduces odds of quitting. Huh. You ready to gossip about some people? <laughs> Let's I'm, put it to the test. I, no. No. <laughs> Not <laughs> a right. gossip. All right. It's Kendall and Casey show. It's 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good morning, 947. It is the Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC. Rob Kendall with the day off. Ethan Hatcher joining me in the studio today. So what's going on with the vice president? What What isn't going on with her? <laughs> uh, it's being reported that there's some serious disagreements with her and Joe Biden over the Israel-Hamas war. Harris has been telling colleagues yeah. in the administration that she wants the White House to show more concern publicly for the humanitarian damage that is being done in Gaza. And uh, the president right. doesn't want to listen to right her. no she's sympathetic with hamas mm-hmm. is, is the headline there yeah and uh she's reportedly been asking that the u.s government be more forceful and uh seeking a long-term peace deal and she wants biden to be tougher on benjamin netanyahu so she believes in the two-state solution which mm-hmm. is the one state solution of hamas eliminating israel and yet uh we're, we're still not hearing anything about uh is she will she will she not be on the ballot i mean they've said that yeah there's no daylight between them but then there's the reports about there's a rift or a little tension between the two well i think it would be an enormous scandal for the biden administration if that were to happen if she stepped away how would they politically spin it since they've ran their campaign on identity politics Mm -hmm. that was the basis for her selection so if they replace her with a pasty straight white guy it's not going to look too good for the base there no and it's at this point there's no way they could do that because his his polling numbers are so bad i think if they were to replace her that would just 
indicate, oh boy, yeah, there is a problem here. And she's wildly unpopular herself. Uh, yeah, and they don't want to admit any sort of problems. They just want to continue to gaslight you and tell you how wonderful everything is. Okay, so you found this clip. Um, she likes to say a few different <laughs> things. She gets stuck on a word and she just repeats it over and over and over again. Yeah, she, she likes leaning into the same phrase uh-huh. like a lot. And now we're not going to play this whole clip because it's four minutes long. We've got four minutes straight of Kamala Harris being unburdened. But here's here's a little taste. I can imagine what can be and be unburdened by what has been. Mm. You know? Yeah. What can be unburdened by what has been. What can be unburdened <laughs> by what has been. What can be mm-hmm. unburdened by what has been. And these what are all different speeches. Mm-hmm. Unburdened. <laughs> yeah. By what has been, yeah. what we can see, what we believe can be, unburdened by what has been. What can be, yeah. unburdened by what has been. What can be, unburdened by what has been. What can be, unburdened by what has been. What can be, what an imaginative speech. Unburdened by what has been. Who we can be, mm-hmm. unburdened by who we have been. What can be. <laughs> Unburdened by what has been. Where we can be, unburdened by where we have been, and unburdened by where we are right now. What can be? I'm missing it. She's unburdened by common sense. (laughs) One minute is long enough. Oh, boy. But that's not the only phrase that she likes to get hung up on. No, she also, uh, she really likes a Venn diagram. Yes, she does. You know, the circles. Yeah, Uh yeah, big fan of those. Kamala Harris apparently loves a Venn diagram. And gosh, she loves telling us about it. Remember Venn diagrams, those three circles, right? And then let's just see where they overlap. You will not be surprised because I have constructed a Venn diagram on this. Remember those three circles, how they overlap? I love Venn diagrams, so I just do. Whenever you're dealing with conflict, pull out a Venn diagram, right? And so, you know, the three circles. And so I, so I, I asked my team, right? They're I'm fantastic. Out right now. He sees the Venn diagram of it all. He sees that there are those circles, and maybe people seem that they're a little different. They live in different parts of the country. They may be different age or different race. But that area in the middle, that overlap. But I asked my team to do a Venn diagram of where these attacks are happening. So voting rights, women's reproductive rights, LGBTQ rights. And, of course, there was a huge intersection. You know, I asked my team to do a Venn diagram for me of where we are seeing attacks and who are the attacks against and the similarity. And when you look at a diagram of the, uh, just a Venn diagram. I'm going to kill myself, and it's your fault. (laughs) Second in charge. She was at uh, Howard University over the weekend for the 23 Celebration Bowl. She she received a degree there, and she went to go to go help them celebrate. Yeah. With did her Venn diagram tell her to go? She must have been very unburdened, right? So did you hear that uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm TV show ending with season 12? I thought it was already over. To be honest, the mm-hmm. re- revival, and we'll see if uh, producer Kev agrees here, I thought the revival of Curb Your Enthusiasm never matched the peak of its original run. I, uh, I've i always liked Curb. Yeah. It's a good uh, show. Yeah. But the early seasons, it's it's an early season is when, when, the early seasons are where it's at its strongest, and the later seasons are just yeah. kind of... 
happens with Not a lot of shows. Okay, so what? It's going to end uh, after 12 seasons. It premieres February 4th, and it's going to have 10 episodes. And then the series finale will be on April 7th. It's like what what happened to Arrested Development. Were you a, a big fan of Arrested Development, Casey? What about no, you? Didn't, didn't okay. watch that one a lot. So, so Kevin will so, so Kev understand. Like It was solid in the original run, and yeah. they bring it back to Netflix, and it just lost the je ne sais quoi. It lost you know, the magic. I can mm-hmm. see that. Yeah, it lost the creative writing yeah. a little bit. Yep. So, uh, what, Larry David, he created the show. He's been doing it ever since. A character that he kind of started with Seinfeld, right? Yeah. And just took it to the next level. Loosely based on himself. Yeah. Yep. And he's he's saying now he's he's finally going to be done being uh, an angry curmudgeon <laughs> and move on with his life. Yeah. Didn't he say it was uh, he wanted to be the person that God intended him to be? Mm-hmm. See, I can't see him saying Being anything that. but... Yeah, an I mean, angry fella. Isn't yeah. that said with a hint of sarcasm coming I, I from Larry David? I think he's being David. sarcastic when, he's, when he said yeah. that. That's got to be sarcasm. <laughs> I don't he's know. Al- he's <laughs> always going to be Larry David. Right. Does he know any other language besides sarcasm? Yeah, I mean, that's just, it was a character based on himself. Sure. Mm-hmm. He's awkwardness distilled into human form. <laughs> and that's and that's why I loved it. It was charming. Did you see the uh, master trolling done by Tucker Carlson? By the way, no, I didn't tell me about it. He, okay, so you know he's launching his uh, Tucker Carlson network, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he rented a bunch of trucks that have the billboards on the back, and he parked the trucks that say "Corporate Media is Dead" with his face on it in front of CNN, in front of NBC, in front of all of the you know broadcast buildings of the mainstream media. Well, that's kind of disappointing, Casey. If it was a master level troll, he would have parked him in front of Fox news you think so i think he did possibly i know he, he was, parked, were they on the list at least he, if they were in the list then okay we'll give it to talk he uh he did park it in front of the new york times also cnn also the washington post and he i don't know if you caught this he launched his ask tucker segments it's almost like a a dear abby sort yeah. of <laughs> segment and yeah I, I was less impressed with that well, no, because the magic of Tucker is when he's able to write his monologues and drill down on a particular subject. Mm-hmm. Whenever you throw the content to the listeners, you know, you, you run a risk there. Okay, so there's been some gossip that he might perhaps get a nod to be vice president. Is he vice president potential? And we're, we're going to address that coming up okay. uh, in just a little bit. But uh, I don't know. Why would he do that? He's got his uh, media empire that he's building now. Yeah, well, I mean, look at the way... uh, Does he want to be unburdened by something? (laughs) Well, and look at the way uh, Donald Trump burns through associates. You you know, Mike Pence did not come out the winner of that transaction. So Mm -hmm. you're you're right. Tucker has a lot to lose. But I also see it from Trump's perspective, and he's enamored with spectacle and celebrity, and both of those checkboxes are ticked by Tucker Carlson. Okay, so there's a new study out that says gossiping at work is actually beneficial. I doubt it. To work. But it does say it definitely depends on what kind of gossip that you're doing. Negative gossip, not as valuable. It's not considered useful information and rather seen by other co-workers as just complaining. What the hell is positive gossip? Positive gossip is when you talk about the organization or you discuss favorable management actions. That's not gossip. Like if I were to say, did you see what Matt Hiblin and David Wood did? They're awesome then that would be productive to us. <laughs> Who wrote this? The managers, the bosses, the CEOs? The study was conducted by 
the management team. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. It's 93 WIBC. Good morning.